This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Helis Feruza, the CFO for Meritage Homes, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 625. Since I started in 2019, we started to build infrastructure here for scale. And we decided to divest our two other businesses that were not the core business. And we decided to sell them. And we're able to do that actually within the pandemic environment. We were able to sell one of them in April 2020 and the other one in June 2020. It's actually a new era for us. We uh, moved away from the professional segment. We are now focusing on one segment, technology, and that's where we think we have the big advantage. Back in 2004, the very day Ormat Technologies began trading on the New York Stock Exchange, Eol Hen began working as an assistant controller for the energy company based in Israel. The transition to a public company opened a transformative chapter for Ormat, but also for Hen, who after only a few short weeks with the energy company, had agreed to relocate to the company's new Reno, Nevada headquarters. For the next 11 years, Eol helped to build out a U.S. finance team while accruing growing worldwide responsibilities for Ormat's electricity-based power plants. After 11 years, Eol was a vice president of finance and ready to open his next chapter. He stepped into a CFO role at a life sciences company before joining Recore Systems as CFO. We ask Eyal to take us back, share his journey, and tell us about his latest chapter at Recor after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. CFO of Recourse Systems. Hey, all welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jack. Good, good to have you. And uh, as always, we begin by asking our guests to look back for us and sharing with us some of those experiences they feel prepared them for a finance leadership role. Hey, all what comes to mind for you? 
So uh, I'll start that with that, that. I was born and raised in, in Israel. I served in the, in the IDF uh, for five years in the military. Um, I would say that uh, military prepare you to any kind of leadership. Uh, five years in the military, two of them as, as a commander of, uh, of a platoon, as an uh, electronic technician, had prepare you to almost any kind of, um, of um, challenges that you can find uh, outside of the military, um, you know, from making decisions under pressure, uh, opportunities, uh, how to... Can I ask you a question about that, Aol, about your military service? Yeah. Now, you said five years. I, I know Israel, isn't it uh, required as a citizen? Uh, there's a military service as a component. Did you do above and beyond the uh, required amount? Or what five years sounds like a long time? Yeah, so uh, in Israel, it's three years mandatory when you become 18 for men and two years for women. Uh, I, I stayed two years uh, as a commander of platoon. I was pr uh, promoted. And I decided to stay additional to you had a, you had a senior role and you found it kind of satisfied in leading people then I would imagine yeah, yeah. Or, or do you see it differently was it something you just needed to do I, I would say uh, probably both uh, I like my role back then I like the promotion I like the idea of uh, commanding people uh, participated in, in few operations uh, not as a fighter I was in the Air Force so I was not in outside in the combat. Uh, but to uh, command people and lead people in, in operation, any kind of operation in military, uh, you take a lot from it. It's something that you, I, I don't know if you can learn in the um, private sector, let's call it, outside of, of military. <laughs> so that, that's, I would say, that's a, that's a big moment that uh, taught me a lot. Again, not, not just as a finance leader, but as, as a leader, as I see myself today. But you climbed the ranks and you found it satisfying at that place in time. No budgeting, though, really, or maybe there was some, but this isn't your finance career rung. How do you segue? Where do you go after the military? So after military, I, I took off um, travel a little bit and, um, and immediately started college. Um, I, I like the social science area. I, I didn't, you know, I, I dealt with uh, electronics five years and I, I felt that this is not what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I started college in economy and accounting. I loved it um, and continue with it. I did my CPA uh, in Israel. Um, and, um, yeah. Did, did years, it surprise you that you enjoyed accounting? It sounds like you, you necessarily weren't zeroing in on it from the start. It's something you've discovered along the way. It did not surprise me. Uh, I, I always love dealing with numbers, and it's always fun to deal with money. You know, uh, to understand this. Uh, you know, in general, the economy is, is you know, a little bit different than than accounting. The economy was my major, and I love all all these theories, economy theories, and and I, I just get into it. And accounting was part of it, and I just like the having a CPA. Uh, and, and getting my career as a CPA um, looks fun to me. Okay, sorry, I keep on interrupting. I'll try not to do that. But sure, no tell, tell us about some of your uh, your initial career, how you entered the corporate world. And I, I know you're at PwC for a while, um, and that's a, a, a familiar gateway for many CFOs. But tell us a little bit about your entry there. 
Yeah, so I I started uh, with PwC. They took me as an intern uh, right from college uh, while I was in college. I worked uh, for uh, four years with PwC, uh, mainly on uh, a publicly traded company. The largest one was uh, a big pharma company, generic pharma companies back then, uh, that actually went on the rise with a lot of M&A. Um, and, and I actually loved it. I loved being in, in uh, Pricewaterhouse. Um, I learned a lot from it. And um, after four years, uh, I decided I, I, you know, there is a, a timeline, fine timeline when you're with public accounting. If you want to continue and be manager and partner or you want to go to the private sector. And, and I decided that I don't want to be an auditor all my life. Um, and I found um, a job with Orma Technologies. Orma Technologies, um, back then, just uh, actually the first day with Orma Technologies become publicly traded in the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Ormat was, uh, the parent of Ormat was publicly traded in Tel Aviv, uh, but uh, was registered with the New York Stock Exchange with the U.S. Corporation um, uh, in, in 2004. And um, did you say your first day? I'm sorry, when you said the first day, yeah. was it your first day of work or? Yeah, Ormat was the first day that they ring the bell in the New York Stock Exchange, uh, November 14, 2004. Well, that's a good omen, I would imagine, but uh, go on. I'm sorry. So, I want to clarify yeah. that. That is something that you obviously remember vividly. So, uh, yeah. that's a, quite a welcome mat for you. You're coming in as a, a controller or as a. Uh, an auditor? What are you? What are you coming in at? No, I came in as an assistant controller uh, to the headquarters back in Israel, and uh, after um, after a week or so, they asked me if I have a visa to the U.S. I said yes, and they sent me aboard to Reno, Nevada, where they have their uh, their office with it's a very small office with seven people. As I said, they just become public in the U.S. and um, and they asked me to organize this and, and really increase the operations over there and uh, get all the U.S. operations under one umbrella. So I moved to, I, I was, you know, I was back and forth uh, from Reno to Israel uh, the, my first year until I got a working visa. And then I started to, I moved permanently in uh, 2006 uh, to Reno, Nevada. Um, I lived there for 11 years. Is that Ormat's uh, U.S. headquarters where it's based? Or Yeah, yeah, it's Ormat's headquarters. And uh, I oversee, basically I oversee all the electro- electricity segment. And the electricity segment is all the power plants operations, uh, not just in the U.S., but world- worldwide. Ormat has um, operation um, in, in Africa, Eastern Asia, Central America. Uh, so I, I led all the finance team in these countries and participate in, in uh, financing activities and M&A um, in, in these areas. So I worked 11 years with, with Orman up to uh, a VP of finance. Um, and then in, in 2015, um, I decided I want, I want to move closer to Israel. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I had an opportunity to move to the East Coast to a small pharma company uh, called Via Pharma. Via was a, a subsidiary of um, 
publicly traded company in the in the Nasdaq, and um, I, I served there as a CFO and COO for uh, four, three and a half years uh, until the company uh, was shut down for different reason. And in May 2019, I started as a CFO with with Rico. I met uh, Robert Berman, the CEO. Uh, we met and. Um, and I started to work here uh, in, in May 2019. Ormet's an energy company, just speaking in broad terms, energy to life sciences and now to uh, to Recore Systems. Uh, so, hey, you know, we speak to finance leaders all the time who will tell us it really doesn't matter what industry I can apply my set of skills to. Um, and I would imagine you're of that same school. Uh, however, we do see certain finance leaders who do just build their career in a single industry. What are your thoughts on that? It's a choice. Uh, I, I do agree. Uh, actually, I, I loved it to have a, a different uh, experience with different industries because each industry, you know, there is a U.S. gap in IFRS that there are common, you know, we have common ground, but each industry has unique uh, accounting rules or unique things that uh, that you have to learn, and um, I, I'm fast learner. But I loved it to have this experience to go from the energy and then to go to a pharma, which is totally different with different, you know, some of accounting rules like revenue recognition, and then move to another industry which is technology and and high tech. Um, I, I, I love this experience. Uh, I can understand why people love to stay, you know, stay in one industry. Uh, but for me, um, I love the opportunity to learn every, every, every time something new. And with Ormat, I had the experience with not just with energy, but I also had the experience with working with IFRS and USGAP. Uh, you know, we reported in Tel Aviv on the IFRS, so we have to do the conversion. Uh, and, and worldwide, you know, in Kenya, it's uh, it was different accounting rules, and Central America sometimes different accounting rules, and of course U.S. GAAP, you have to convert and bring everything to U.S. GAAP, uh, and when you manage operations, finance operation worldwide, you learn different tax rules, tax planning, um, and then you move to kind of Vio was very small company, and you move for this giant $500, $600 million uh, revenues company to about $5 million, $6 million company, which actually during my uh, time with VIA, we increased the revenues from six to about 15 uh, in this time frame, and then moved to Recore, which is again, different industry uh, with you know different companies because we have you know companies in the professional service area and technology area and we'll talk about it probably later um so i i have all this experience with different industries and and i love it you know you learn everything uh, every time you learn something new so let me ask the big question and where i say tell us about recourse systems what does it do exactly what sets it apart from others out there other competitors uh, okay, Recore started in 2017, and uh, through few acquisition, it, it didn't go through the, um, I would say, the uh, regular way of being publicly traded company. It didn't go through an IPO. It was through an acquisition of, of back then Breckford, um, 
photo enforcement company that was traded on the OTC and um, come bigger, too big for the OTC and lose to the registered in the NASDAQ. That's how we come public. Uh, what I love with Recor, you know, during the years, so say if we go back before my time with Recor, uh, there was a acquisition of, of business uh, from the professional services um, um, area, you know, company that dealt with uh, government contractors and, and company that dealt with uh, staffing for the um, aerospace industry and and in 2019 march 2019 Ricor acquired uh, a company called open altr uh, which is a technology company um, established founded by a, a brilliant young guy uh, named matt hill which is our chief science officer uh, right now uh, develop unique technology for license plate reading or uh, as we call it now vehicle recognition and I think what what's unique with with Recor, uh, and again, I will not get into the technology too much. I'm not a technical guy, but what's unique with Recor, I think we define a very conservative uh, industry differently. And I would say we democratize this license plate reading technology uh, and and provide the ability. Uh, for law enforcement, for customers' experience, and in the future also smart cities to use technology in, in a very unique pricing model. Um, that, that's what's so unique with, with Recor. Well, let me ask you this question. So when I got that ticket, traffic ticket, in the last six months where they show a photograph of my car, the back license plate is this using record in some way it's technologies or no is it something removed from that we probably use some of the technology i'd say it's, it's a little bit different because you're talking about uh photo enforcement of uh, red light and, and speed uh, we do have this this part as well but however i would say the technology that we acquired back in march uh is is a little bit different uh in terms like uh, for license plate reading, but not just for the law, you know, typical uh, law enforcement. It's, it, it has way more uses in, in the market for customer experience with fast food. Like with this pandemic, for example, you probably know a lot of people go through drive throughs So we are working uh, now with different pilots to uh, use LPR or vehicle recognition, I would say. We, we're trying, you know, not to... Because when you say license plate, as you as you said, license plate, oh, it's this uh, red and speed light ticket and things like we're trying to move away from it because it's not just this. There are other, uh, it's there, there's whole thing. Many other applications. Need. Is the government a big customer? I, I, I see you're down in Maryland. I always wonder uh, uh, when I know businesses around Washington, there's uh, opportunities to uh, for contracts and things. It's a public information. We we have a contract and we provide licenses to our software to the Department of Defense. It's not why we are here, by the way. There's no uh, linkage between the two. Yeah. Uh, but definitely the, the DOD is, is one of our uh, largest customers. That's correct. Interesting. All right. So here again, uh, your other businesses were, did they do uh, government business as well? Or because I know... Uh, these large contracts can be pretty challenging sometimes to fulfill. And I know finance plays an important role in making sure the economics are sound behind them. 
So I would say, so as I said, the professional segment that we have, one of them was for uh, helping government contractors to go for bids and things like that. But we, uh, since we acquired this technology in March 2019, the company decided to move away from the professional segment and really focus on the technology segment. Uh, so since I started in 2019, we started to build infrastructure here uh, for scale. And we decided to divest our two other businesses that were not the core business of the technology, which is the um, government contracting in, in Virginia and staffing company back in Texas. And we decided to sell them. And we're able to do that actually within the pandemic environment. We, we were able to sell uh, one of them in April 2020 and uh, the other one in June 2020, uh, just recently. Uh, both of them were sold to their current management team. And that's actually uh, the sale of the second uh, company, um, I would say, started a new era here. For, from a final, if I'm looking from a finance and, and reporting perspective, it's actually a new era for us. We uh, moved away from the professional segment. We are now focusing on one segment, technology, and that's where we think we have the big advantage over our, our competitors here. And from a financing perspective and reporting perspective, uh, we now focus um, how to create value in the technology, pricing of software, pricing of hardware, and, and of course, in the 10K, 10Q, uh, all the risk factors I'm going, I'm going to change and make it more simple and more clear for our investors that this is a technology company. And relatively young, I would say, as I said, the, the, the technology was acquired in 2019. 2019, up until, I would say, the first quarter of 2020, we built the infrastructure to grow. We digitalized, fully digitalized our operation, our finance operation uh, from new ERP system, all connected to the CRM, connected to our e-commerce platform, connected to our um, marketing platform. Everything is now all connected together and talk to each other. On top of it, we uh, just finalized implementing uh, business intelligence. That's actually provide now to the executive, to the CEO, to the COO, to the CMO, to the CTO. What is that exactly? The... Is that a dashboard with a number of metrics on it? Or what, when you say business intelligence, is it another piece of software that you've adopted to help you uh, better make display and, and share numbers? Yeah. Yeah, to the point, exactly. Microsoft, we're using Microsoft BI. That's it on top of all the software. Uh, on, on top of the ERP system, pull the financial information that we want to show the CEO. You know, the CEO doesn't need to know of every journal entry, but he wants to see the budget versus actual, real time, what is our backlog. So we created this dashboard that pulled information from the finance uh, system. We created dashboards for marketing. We want to see we're using a, a marketing platform that connected to this BI and created a dashboard for marketing, like what is the campaign that we're running, what is the ROI on each campaign, how many leads we create from each campaign. Uh, we created also operation uh, dashboard that takes from the CRM, you know, how many customers we have in the CRM, what is the pipeline that we have in the CRM customers, you know, weighted by what the potential of this customer, things like that, that really important for the executives and not just finance, but it's also operation marketing. 
to so, provide the executives uh, the real-time information. This uh, finance function then that you're explaining to us that you've, with, with these new applications, with these new sort of uh, numbers that you're, you're talking about, customer uh, engagement and leads, um, I would suspect that this is uh, different from the finance function that you resided in only 10 years ago at, at uh, the energy uh, company we were discussing. Um, you're creating a much more customer-oriented uh, uh, finance function. Is that a fair description or do you look at it differently? No, it's a fair description. Again, it's a different industry. While you're in the energy, your customers, or back then with, with Ormat, it's a renewable energy. So the customers are big utilities. Yeah, giant, uh, so giant companies, yeah. Giant companies, yeah. exactly. We did, by the way, also with Ormat, we did uh, implement an ERP system across the world. So yeah. in the US, in Israel, in Africa, Eastern Asia. So we did implement ERP, but it was different. Uh, here, yes, the customers are, are sometimes are law enforcement. The customers sometimes are, um, you know, fast food chains um, or municipals that uh, that uh, you know going through the the smart cities. So it's a different way to look at it, and we have to create, you know, as a finance leader, you have to adjust yourself and make sure that you create to your executive team here the right information, you know, it won't help if I will create ERP system based on the energy industry or the pharma because it's different. Uh, so obviously to your point, yes, it, it's, it's totally different. I view it as, as, as totally different, uh, a challenge to create dashboard, the right dashboard, you know, you can, can create different dashboard with information that will not help anyone, but you want to make sure that you have the dashboard that the CEO will use it, actually look at it. And we'll understand it and not just, you know, okay, we have BI, but no one is looking at it. We need, right. You want the executive to, to use it to bring value to the company, bring value to the operation, to have a real-time information from a finance perspective, operations, marketing, engineering, uh, to make the right decisions. Now, the, uh, the transactions you described, I have to believe uh, they were in the works before the pandemic, and it just happens that they sort of came down uh, with that timing. Surprisingly, in the midst of it, I, I would say. Am I correct about that, or how, how do you look at it? Yeah, You're talking about the division of the two yeah, entities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so back again, when we started to see or strategize what we want to do and where we want to go with the technology, we did talk about it. We did talk about uh, how we divest these companies. Um, in 2019, in September 2019, we disclosed in, uh, in our thank you that one of the companies is held for sale uh, from a finance perspective or accounting perspective. And in the first quarter of 2020, we decided also to have the second quarter company as, as uh, held for sale. So both of them were held for sale prior to the pandemic. And uh, I wouldn't say that it was easy to, to make this transaction, even though it was with management. Uh, to do such two big transactions in the middle of a pandemic was a, a big challenge, big challenge. No, it's, it's interesting just because I think coming out of uh, the other side of this environment that we're in still, uh, 
the company is going to be quite different from uh, the company that went into the pandemic in, in certain respects, given the software upgrades you've described and the uh, these transactions that have vestigers taking place. Um, and we think many businesses, many finance leaders are perhaps making decisions to make some transactions as well. Businesses that they don't think they want to be part of, you know, uh, three years from now, this uh, the COVID uh, environment is forcing them to make some strategic decisions that they might have held off on making, uh, but they're making them sooner. Uh, so anyway, it seems like here uh, the pandemic has allowed Recur Systems to sort of take this leap forward as it as it uh, evolves. Uh, let's say, how do you like that? Do you like the way I described that, or do you see it differently? I don't know if the pandemic helped, you know, it, it, it helped, but we, again, as, as you mentioned, we did want to divest these uh, non-core businesses before the pandemic. I would say that, yeah, I would say the pandemic helped us with this. It, uh, this transaction helped us to create cash here, you know, to have cash on hand during this uh, this uh, pandemic. And as you, as you probably know, and all finance leader, I would assume, will agree, cash is the king these days. So you want to have this cash uh, on hand and we're able to do it. Well, we're up to our uh, finance strategic moment question. This is where uh, your lines of sight into the organization. Into the numbers allowed you to identify a risk or an opportunity and it led you to respond. It led you to reposition your team or the organization in some fashion, or maybe you just avoided a risk. Anything come to mind when we ask for a, Finance strategic moment. Yeah, I, I would say I have probably uh, two, three, two or three uh, of, of those moments. Uh, two of them were with Orma Technology. Definitely, I'd say one big moment was in, in 2008 when uh, Obama administration had the Reinvestment Act, where it provided a 30% cash grant to renewable energy. Uh, this was uh, a lightning moment, I would say, how much, you know, the government can help certain industry because I think 2008 to 2012 was a golden age for the renewable energy. And uh, ORMAT, uh, you know, was uh, was uh, benefited from, from this and, and got, uh, I think, about 600, over $600 million in cash grant from the U.S. government uh, to build power plant, renewable energy power plant. Uh, it was not easy, but this power plant created a lot of um, uh, workplaces in, in rural rural area, like in, in Nevada, in Southern California. Uh, so it, it helps a lot. And this was this was an enlightening moment, how much, you know, you can benefit if you play your card right. And, and um, so this was one moment. The second moment also related to the renewable energy industry, um, where ORMAT had a lot of losses, NOLs, net operating losses for federal, um, because of its, its heavy in capital, and there is accelerated depreciation, and, and uh, we were able, and I'm not taking the credit for it, it was a lighting for me, uh, but we were able to finance um, power plants with tax monetization. So meaning we provided tax attributes to big investment bank, they put the money and we didn't have to pay back with cash, but we paid back with tax attributes, either with NOLs 
or uh, what's, uh, what renewable energy has, production tax credit, uh, which, again, this was enlightening for me, the, the, the fact that you return such a big amount of money only with tax attributes was, was really uh, eye-opening, and, and I learned a lot from it. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. And now we're going to jump to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several. These are more career-oriented questions. And, uh, you know, when you stepped into that CFO role at the Life Sciences Company, you had done, um, you had climbed the career ladder at Ormond, but at the same time, you hadn't stepped into a CFO role. When you do step in and you have all that responsibility, if you could go back in time and give yourself some piece of advice, hey, you know, some something, what would you have gone back and told you that first week, that first quarter as a CFO? What would have you told yourself? I think, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a tough question. I would say have uh, build a great team around you because you cannot do it yourself. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you, uh, you're good and how you're great in finance and great uh, was great as a VP or great as a CFO. You have to have team that you can, you can count on. Now, otherwise, you, you won't be able to, to be successful. We want to know if there's something, uh, a habit that you have or some part of your daily routine that you believe in some way has paid dividends on the professional side, contributed to uh, to your success. Anything come to mind? Uh, I will tell you a little secret. I love to dance. Uh, so I, I dance for uh, more than 20 years, uh, Latin dance and uh, and ballroom dancing. So variety of dance, like from Wow, what a great way to unwind. We actually, we have to get you on TikTok, I think. Definitely. <laughs> is, there a, is there a book you'd recommend? Or uh, uh, doesn't have to be a business book? Or, or what would you share? I, with I love uh, to read uh, um, Harlan Coburn, David, uh, uh, David uh, Balducci. I read actually now David Balducci uh, book, Redemption. Uh, and before that, I read actually the last book of Harlan Coburn, uh, Run Away. Um, huh. And I love some, you know, Hebrew books. Uh, usually it's more military books and kind of. Are they history or are they? Yeah. Uh, how, how would you characterize Yeah, they're yeah. history books. I wouldn't say history. It's like the near history, like operations that the, the, the military did, things like that. So we're, we're finally there. We're at this final question where we ask you to look forward for us. And we spent a lot of time today looking back. But now 
over the next 12 months looking forward, what are your priorities as a finance leader? Uh, my priority is uh, actually to, to lead record to the, the next level coming from, I'd say, uh, small technology. We look at a startup company to the next level to be a, a multi-billion dollar company um, in the technology and the vehicle recognition uh, area. Hey, all Yen, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you very much. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.